Well, we have been working our way through the book of Genesis on Sunday morning. Today we find ourselves in uh, Genesis 13 as we were, uh, we've come to the place in, um, in the book where we are studying the man called Abram. We will know him as Abraham. Now, just to highlight very quickly the importance of this story, if you were to take the first 11 chapters of Genesis there in your outline, it will cover about 2,000 years. However, when you study the story of Abram from chapters 12 through 21, it actually goes on more, but, but from chapters 12 to 21, it's going to cover 25 years because there's so much in this that the Lord wants us to know. We're, we're uh, again, studying a man named Abram. We, we'll know him as Abraham there in your outline. In the New Testament, we're told that Abraham is the father of all who believe. He's the Old Testament example of the New Testament believer. So there's much that we can learn about faith as we look at his life. And what I love about him is he is the prototype for how we grow in our faith. And and, uh, what's so great about that is that we're going to find that although he will become the father of faith, he doesn't start that way. Uh, We're going to look at some of the the victories and some of the, you know, the failures that he has. But um, um, well, let me just say it like this. Remember last week I, I asked the question, I said, how many of you um, by this time in your life thought that you'd be a little bit more spiritual, have a little bit more together, and stop making so many dumb decisions. Well, and we all raised our hands. Well, if you weren't here, just know that Abram, Abraham is the story for you. And uh, so we'll, we'll look at that as we go. Now today, as we get into our story today, we're going to find that our story today is either going to be a confirmation for some of us, or it's going to be a warning. It's going to be a warning for some of us. And so we've called this today a tale of two believers, because everybody in our story today is going to be a believer, but the believers on two, on two very different paths. And so we'll see that as we go. Also remember, as we get into this today, we mentioned this last week, but in Hebrew, when you come to names, names are always significant. And the meaning of the names helps to paint the picture as to what's going on. So we'll see that a little bit as we go. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 12, the first three verses, and it says, this is the beginning of our story. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives. That's going to be very important for our study today. God told him to leave your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. That's the promise. And I will bless you. God says, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We'll be looking at that. Blessing, not so much this week, but in coming weeks, of how that blessing applies to you and I, how that same blessing is something that God gives to us. But God told Abram as he begins his journey walking with the Lord, He says, You you need to leave your your relatives. And and in this case, uh, we're going to talk about sometimes we need to leave certain relationships. Uh, Maybe it's a work relationship, it's a toxic friendship, Uh, sometimes it's a toxic 
relative, um, that not your spouse, you don't need to leave your spouse, but, but there's going to be some relatives that the Lord's going to say, their influence in your life is taking away from everything, everything that I want to do. So we'll talk about that as we go. So he hears what God has to say. And in verse four, it says, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now Lot, he said that you need to leave your relatives, but he takes his relative with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So he's following the Lord, but not fully following the Lord. The Lord said, let go of some relatives. And so he brings his relatives. So we'll talk about that today. He goes into the promised land. We'll say the land of of Israel. Go down to verse seven. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So we see there's this growing sense of worship. He's going to build an altar. And we'll find that Abram builds an altar in, in several different places. It just implies that he's growing in his worship. But there's a, there's a problem. And in verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt. And we talked about that last week to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. And uh, Egypt is always down. And uh, we mentioned this last week that God had said, I will bless you. And so here he is. He has this promise from God. He's in the promised land. God says, I will bless you. But he sees that there's a famine. And so he leaves where God calls him to be. And he goes down to Egypt. And last week we we mentioned, and I want you to write this down. uh, Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents the world. And uh, we mentioned this verse last week. He says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. So we we talked about how Abram was in the promised land, but he sees, uh, God says, you're blessed, but he sees that there's a famine. And last week we talked about how if God says you're blessed, you don't need to be afraid of any famine because a famine can't stop God's blessing. Well, we talked about that last week, but he doesn't do that. He's new in his faith. He goes back or he goes down to Egypt and there he blows his testimony. He passes his wife off as his sister and ultimately Pharaoh takes her into his harem, we don't know exactly how long this journey took. This journey could actually have taken a couple of years. You know, he goes down to Egypt. He's, he's there for a while. Maybe he's dwelling there over time. The, the uh, Pharaoh's officials discover that Sarai is beautiful. And so this could actually be a couple of years that he's in Egypt before he comes back. We, we don't know, but it, it was certainly some time. But he, last week we mentioned how He leaves Egypt, or he goes down to Egypt, and he's a believer, but when he comes back, he's going to be spiritual. Some things are going to be very different. God uses this event to change his life. So we pick it up in chapter 13, and it says, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, where he, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and once again, and Lot with him. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, and I want you to underline Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And we'll come back to that. Verse four, verse, verse four to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly, and there Abram called, and I've underlined the word called, on the name of the Lord. So Abram's going to come back from Egypt. He's going to be a little bit 
wiser now in his decisions. Uh, as I mentioned, he goes down as a believer, but he's going to come back spiritual. And what he knows to do is to come back to the last place where God was working in his life. In this case, it's Bethel. And so there on your outline in verse three, let me just read that again. It says, he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. So I want you to write down, he leaves Egypt and comes back to Bethel. Now, um, Bethel is going to be emphasized here. So there's two words I want to highlight, and I want you to memorize these, and there's going to be a quiz. So it says he leaves, he goes on his journeys to the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. So in Hebrew, words have meaning, so or names have meaning. So there in your outline, Bethel means house of God, Bethel. El is the name for God, Bet is the name for house, Bethel. Now, Ai, on the other hand, means ruin and heap. Ruin and heap. Everybody see that? So Bethel means... There's going to be a quiz. I'm doing my best to help you. Bethel means... Okay, but Ai means... Ruin or heap. Okay, good. So when... Abram goes down to Egypt. It's not recorded that, that God ever speaks to him. He never builds an altar. There's no mention of worship. There's no mention of God giving him wisdom. But he comes back to the place where he had built the altar before, back to Bethel, the house of God, where God was moving in his life before. So he knows where to go. So in verse 4, it says, to the place of the altar which he had made there, Formerly, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I've underlined that word called. So he comes back to where the altar was, back to the place of worship, back to the house of God, back to the place where God was moving in his life before. And it says he called on the name of the Lord. Well, very interesting just for fun. The word called there just means, it's kara, just means to call, to call out, to cry out, to cry for help. So he's calling out on the name of the Lord. He's back in the house of worship, uh, back in the house of God. So we expect verse 5 to begin by saying, and the Lord said. But does verse 5 begin that way? No, verse 5 says, now Lot, and uh, you might want to underline that, a Lot the relative that God told him to let go of, Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great, and they were not able to remain together. And there was strife. Uh, some of your Bibles might say quarreling, contention, whatever it says. My Bible says strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now, the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling, in, or dwelling then in the land. So there, there's this strife. The word strife there, and, and your Bible might say it a little bit differently, adversary, chiding, contention, controversy, pleading, strife. So here, as they are back in the land, back at Bethel, the house of God, back where the altar is, there's the strife, and it's just continuing to increase. Well, way back when, God told Abram that he needed to leave his relatives. He needed to separate. 
And the idea is God was saying, what I'm doing in your life is going to require you to separate from certain relationships. Now, this is not going to be a hostile separation. Uh, we're going to find that he needs to separate. He needs to move Lot to the outer circle, we might say, and we'll see why as we go. But what God wanted to do in Abram's life would require a moving away from this relationship. But as we mentioned last week, this, this was hard for Abram. This is hard for Abraham. You know, last week we talked about Lot's situation. His, his dad had died, his grandfather had died, and, and uh, Lot's thinking, or Abram's thinking, you know, if, if I leave him now, you know, I leave him out here, we're, we're not back where we used to be, but if I leave him now, what is this going to do to his faith? You know, in the, in the, um, the past 20-something years that we've been here, I can't tell you how many times uh, there's been a couple that's dating and, and it's not good. And uh, one of the others will say, if I break up with them, uh, what's going to happen to their faith if I break up with them? And uh, that's where you have to just trust the Lord that the same God that took care of them before, the same God's going to take care of them after, after you leave their life. Not sure why I said that, but I, but I did. So... So, you know, what would it do to his faith? Or, or maybe, maybe if uh, Abram said to Lot, hey, we can't go forward together. You, you're going to be on your own. Lot might reply by saying, well, that's not very Christian of you. Anybody ever heard anything like, like that? Okay. And Abram might reason, you know, Lot's really hurting right now. I just, I just can't leave him now. It's, he's really in a tough situation. He's lost his father, and, you know, it, it, it's just a tough time. So time is passing, and strife is growing. Now, when they come back to Bethel, we don't know how long they've been back in Bethel, the house of God, at the place of worship. It could actually be a couple of years. So we, we don't really know. But we just know that strife is increasing. Now, what I want you to write down is that when God says to separate, and I don't, it never gets better. It never gets better. So earlier, Abram thought, well, it'd just be too painful. You know, and it tried to, you know, is there any way we can work this out? But it, the strife just continues to increase. And, and many times we do the same thing. We, we know that the Lord's calling us to separate. We say, is there any way that we can work this out? Well, here's what we learn is that when God says separate and we don't, it never gets better. That's where you go, amen. amen. Yeah, because you, you've probably been there. So, so we also notice here that in verse 7 that there are people who are looking on. The, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now, the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. So the non-believers are looking on at the believers, and they're seeing how they handle this situation, and there's this increase of strife. So they're blowing their testimony before the unbelievers. So let's see how they respond. We're going to look at how Abram responds to the situation, and then we're going to look at how Lot responds to the situation and see if there's anything there that the Lord might want to say to us. Well, verse 8, it says, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If to the left, I will go to the right. And if to the right, then I will go to the left. So there's a couple of things that, that we notice. First of all, Abram's growing, so he's going to handle things a little bit differently. He realizes he's got to do something. So write this down. He deals with the situation directly. 
He says, we're brothers. It's not working. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush. We should have done this a long time ago, but we, we need to separate. Also, it's important to note that Abram doesn't blame Lot for the situation. He's not blaming Lot. You see, the truth is that God told Abram to separate years ago, but he didn't. Although God spoke to Abram or Abraham, uh, he never spoke to Lot. So this is really Abram's fault uh, that he hasn't taken action up to this point. So he doesn't blame, blame Lot for the problem. We're also going to notice that as Abraham is growing, there's going to be some spiritual discernment, spiritual discernment. The last line of verse 7, it says that the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. So the non-believers are looking, and they're seeing how believers handle the situation in the New Testament, and they realize that they're blowing their, their testimony. In the New Testament, Peter would say it like this there in your outline. He says, be careful how you behave among your unsaved neighbors. For then, even if they are suspicious of you and talk against you, they'll end up praising God for your good works and for your good works when Christ returns. So the idea is you want to think about how you're behaving. But then we also notice that as Abram is growing, he's now learning to trust God's promise. And you'll write that down. So in verse 9, it says, Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, I'll go to the right. Or if to the right, then I'll go to the left. So here's how he's learning how to trust God's promise. There in your outline. When we began today, we read chapter 12, and God just said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. So if God has said, I will bless you, you really don't have to worry about it. Not, not only that, but God said, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So now Abram's to the place where he can say, whatever you want. I don't have to worry about it. God's already promised. I don't have to fight you for it. I'm trusting God's promise. So you want to go this way? I'll go that way. You go that way. I'll go this way. So the father of faith, Abram, is growing. He's not perfect, but he's growing, and we're seeing that. So, so far, so good. But then we look at Lot. Now, Lot is a believer, and uh, Lot's, although he's a believer, he's going to handle things very differently. We're going to see in this why the Lord told Abram, you need to separate from Lot, because they're both believers, but how they view the situation and the decisions that they make are going to be very different, very different. So we're going to pick it up in verse 10, and it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord's, like Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as you go down to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. We're going to talk about journeying eastward. And thus they separated from each other. Abram, uh, chapter, verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. And I just want to highlight that he begins living in a tent. Uh, verse 13, now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. So there's a few things that we, we notice how are in Lot's life, how he handles the situation. When you read Lot's entire story, we're going to notice some things. Write this down. Lot is a believer, 
but he never makes worship a priority. As you read his story, he will never worship the Lord. He will never call on the name of the Lord. It'll never be mentioned that he seeks the Lord in any of his decisions. And uh, write this down, that unlike Abraham, Lot will never build an altar. He'll never build an altar. Worship is just not a priority for him. He's a believer, but it's just not a priority. And, and so although he is a believer, he is, he is like so many, and I want you to write this down also, Lot is the kind of believer who says yes to heaven, but never says no to the world. He never says no to the world. We're going to find that he never considers the spiritual impact of his decisions on his life and on the life of his children. And so we'll see that as we go. So he's going to, and you want to write this down, he will make decisions by what he sees as personally beneficial over the spiritual welfare of his family. What he sees as personally beneficial over the spiritual welfare of his family. So in chapter 13, verse 10, I put it there on your outline. I've condensed it. It says, Lot saw that the whole plain was well watered. So it's just an amazing place for cattle. And yet, on the other hand, the direction that he goes, it tells us that the men of Sodom were sinning greatly against the Lord. So he looks out and he sees the valley. He says, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like the Garden of Eden. It's a great place for cattle. If I go there, profits are going to be great. It's a great place for cattle, but we're going to find it's a horrible place to raise your children. But he makes decisions based upon what's personally beneficial to him, not considering the spiritual impact on his family. So because worship is not his priority, he never builds an altar, and he does what he thinks is best based upon what he sees, we're going to find, and I want you to write this down, he will be wrong in direction and ultimately destination. Wrong in direction, ultimately wrong in destination. Let me read verses 12 and 13. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. So what I want to do is I want to illustrate Lot's journey and uh, see if there's something that the Lord might want to say to us, uh, either as a warning or maybe as a confirmation that we're not going in that direction. So a couple of things. They come back from Egypt and they come to the place of Bethel. And uh, Bethel, uh, go ahead and write that down. Um, I'm sorry, um, the, his first step is going to leave Bethel. Everybody write that down, Bethel. Now, Bethel means, so they come out of Egypt, they come to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. But in order to separate, we're going to find that he has to leave Bethel, the house of God. That'll be the first thing that he does. So let me just show you a map, see if we can unpack it this way. So there in uh, the middle of Israel, you have these two towns, Bethel and Ai. And you notice that Sodom and Gomorrah are down at the bottom by the, the Dead Sea. Everybody see that? Now, just for fun, let me do this also. Let me put the other map up. If you were to take the entire country of Israel and stick it in the state of Florida, 
it would take up the space of Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. It, it's not a big country. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. So let's go back to the, to the other map. So he's there at Bethel, but he's going to leave. And uh, notice there on your outline or in your Bible, verse 11, it says he set out toward the east. Does everybody see that? He's going to go towards the east. Well, if you're at Bethel and you're going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, where's the first stop on your journey as you head to the east? We'd say to the right. It's the town of Ai. Now, Ai means ruin and heap. So if the first step on your journey outside of Bethel is to go to the place of ruin and heap, how do you think the rest of the journey is going to go? So that's the setup for where, for where we're going. That's the setup. Now, I put verse 12 on your outline from the King James Version, and it says it like this. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent and underline toward Sodom, toward Sodom. So his direction is going toward Sodom. But this is going to be a journey, a journey. So there underneath of that on your outline, it says, where does it lead? Well, we've looked at verse 12, but uh, the next place that we're going to find this is going to be in chapter 14, verse 12. Everybody turn over one page to chapter 14. And uh, we look at verse 12, chapter 14, verse 12. We'll talk about this next week. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed. And I've underlined, for he was living in Sodom. So right now, he's no longer heading toward Sodom. He's living in Sodom at this point. Well, it doesn't end there. We're going to go all the way over to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 1. Chapter 19, verse 1 is a fascinating end times prophecy. And uh, we'll look at this when we get there. But verse 1, it says, Now the angels, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was, and I've underlined, sitting in the gate of Sodom. Sitting in the gate of Sodom. So you and I as Westerners, we read that, and it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But what that meant in that time period is that Lot, as he's sitting in the gate, has become one of the elders, the city officials there in Sodom. So he's deeply entrenched in Sodom. He's one of the leaders in this town. So far, so good? But you notice that there's another verse in that little line, and it's chapter 19, verse 30. Everybody see that? Now, you can read that when you go home today. I'm not going to read that today because I don't want to. But you, you read that later on today. It's a fascinating, it's one of the grossest stories in all of the Bible. And uh, so what we're going to see, I'll give you sort of the, the, the condensed version. Lot has a couple of daughters. And his daughters are going to grow up. They're going to be believers, but they're going to be, we would say in church world, carnal like their dad. They're, they're not really going to be spiritual, uh, spiritually minded. And when you do the timeline on the daughters, you'll find that their early childhood, they grew up there in Bethel, house of God, where Abram was. But as they've moved, they're now being raised in Sodom. And because Lot is their dad living there in Sodom, one of the things that we're going to find is that they are engaged to non-believers. But that's not really an issue for them. They don't really care because what we're also going to find is like their dad, although they will be believers, they will 
not worship. They will not seek the Lord in their decisions. There's no altar. Uh, just worship is not a priority for them. And, and so what we're going to find is that because that's the case, they're going to make some disastrous decisions uh, that you can read about later on today. But let me give you at least a little bit of the punchline before you read the, the uh, story later on today. Lot's grandkids, I'm going to call them grandkids here, they're in your outline. The oldest daughter, she gives birth to a child called Moab. How many of you ever heard of the Moabites? Okay. All right. Now, Moab just means, and you'll see all the parentheses there, from her, the mother's father. From her, the mother's father. What you're going to find as you read that is that Lot's not just the grandfather, he's actually the father. It's one of the weirdest stories ever. But then the other daughter, she marries, uh, she doesn't marry, uh, she has a child, and that child's name is Ben-Ami, which just means son of my kindred or born of incest. When you read the story, you're going to find that the two daughters make a decision, and in that decision, which is a horrible, disastrous decision because they were... They never learned to trust the Lord. They look at their circumstance, and ultimately, Lot will become the father of their children. Does, now, is that weird to anybody else other than me? Yeah. So, so just you read that later on. Well, anyways, okay, let's go back to chapter 13. Chapter 13. Now, so Lot makes decisions based on what he sees as personally beneficial but he never considers the spiritual welfare of his family in those decisions. Sodom is going to be a great place to raise cattle, but it's going to be a horrible place to raise children. But for Lot, because it's a great place for cattle, if he has to leave Bethel, the house of God, that's not a big deal for him. He doesn't really care because worship is never a priority. Uh, he will never build an altar. He never seeks the Lord uh, concerning decisions in any way. So it's just not really a priority for him. He's going to raise two daughters who are going to be very much like him. They will be believers, but they also don't seek the Lord. And uh, ultimately, they make disastrous decisions. And his family, as you read it, becomes a train wreck. It becomes a train wreck they're going to actually do worse than their father. So, so here's what I want to say. We've seen this happen so many times through the years where somebody decides to leave Bethel, the house of God, the people of God, and they begin to drift. They're going towards this. Now they're in this. And uh, one day they wake up and they realize that their next generation is a complete train wreck. It's a train wreck. And, uh, and then they wonder, what in the world have we done? There's a question that Cheryl and I ask ourselves constantly, and it's a great parenting question, and you want to write this down, is uh, what would this look like in 20 years? If, if I parent like this, what is this going to look like in 20 years? If I do life like this, what is this going to look like in 20 years? You see, Lot never really did that. He never asked, what is the result if I continue to do things this way and go in this direction. Now, very interesting. If you take the word lot and you look it up in a Hebrew dictionary, here's what you get. And I put this there in your outline. Lot means a veil. It means a covering. The idea is that lot just could never see. 
He just, he couldn't see it. And, and so I can't help but wonder, as you read the story, if Lot could have seen where his family was going to wind up all those years in the future, based upon his decisions, I can't help but wonder if maybe he would have made some very different decisions on the front end. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's, it's a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning for us. Also, if Abram is going to go forward with the Lord, he's going to have to let go of Lot because they're both believers, but they both approach the situation and decisions in life very differently, very differently. And so you can't have that influence at a very, in a very close, close way. So he's going to move Lot to the outside. It's not going to be a hostile thing. Next chapter, he's going to go rescue Lot, but, but the reality is Lot needs to be moved out. Well, so Lot's story is a warning. Well, verse 14, verse 14, it says, the Lord said to Abram after, does your Bible have the word after? After Lot had separated from him. Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. I want you to write down, notice God spoke again after Abraham finally separates from Lot. I think there's that sense of release. In my Bible, I don't know if you can see it, but this verse here, verse 14, the word after is color-coded, and if you could look up real close, you'd see that there's arrows pointing to the word after. Because God doesn't say anything when Abram comes back to Bethel, the house of God, the place of worship. It's not until he separates from that relationship, and I never want to forget that. I never want to forget that. Does that make sense? So verse 15 now, I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But uh, let me just read it. For all, God speaking, and, and God says, For all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Now, at this point, Abram should start saying, My descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. He doesn't do that. We'll talk about that in uh, future chapters. God says, Arise and walk through the land through its length and breadth, and I will give it to you. I'll give it to you. Well, we'll look at that in a couple of weeks, but I want you to notice verse 18, and I put verse 18 on your outline. And the question is, where does separation from Lot take Abram? Well, there in your outline, then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks, some of your Bibles will say great trees or terebinth uh, of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Again, words in Hebrew, names have meaning. So when you, you, you look these words up, uh, we find that Abraham will dwell by the oaks or the great trees. And uh, when you look those words up, they'll talk about some hold that they're evergreen trees, some hold that they are oak trees, but the idea is the emphasis is on the shade. So he's gonna dwell, write this down, shade and coolness. It's gonna be a, a refreshing time. But then it says, the, the oaks are great trees of mamre. Now, mamre is an interesting word. It means strength or fatness. Uh, you can also translate it as firmness. Now, fatness doesn't mean in those days what it means now. But I write this down. Mamre means strength or prosperity. Strength or prosperity. 
He's back in that place of blessing. But then it says, which is in Hebron. Now, when you look at Hebron in a Bible dictionary, it will say Hebron would mean association or friendship. However, if you look it up in any commentary, it's going to tell you that the way that we would translate that word today would be the word fellowship. Fellowship. You want to write that down? Fellowship. So he's back in fellowship. So Abram can now go on with the Lord, back in that place of abundance, firmness, fellowship, shade, and coolness, but he had to separate from that relationship that was holding him back from all that God wanted to do. Did you find that interesting today? Good. Well, let me close uh, by, by saying this. First of all, if you're in a relationship right now and the Lord, the Lord is speaking to you about separating, not your spouse, but those relationships, those, those friendships that are holding you back, those, maybe it's a work situation, maybe it's a, a relative that's becoming toxic in, in your life, and their influence is taking you away. It's not helping you go forward, and the Lord's calling you to separate. You want to do that today. Now, if it's a, a moral situation or something like that, you need to separate because you can't go forward with the Lord if you're involved in an immoral relationship. You, you, you can't say, well, what about, you know, what's going to happen to their faith if I let them go? You need to let the Lord deal with that. You have to go on with the Lord. God can take, God can take care of them. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pray, close in prayer, and you have the opportunity, as we said last week, to do some business with the Lord. If the Lord's speaking to you and revealing something to you, um, you do business with God. After we pray, there's going to be some prayer partners standing in the front. If you'd like to pray and have somebody pray with you, just come on down to the front. They would love to pray with you. And with that, we're going to close in prayer. Good? Let's pray. Father, as we wrap this up today, Lord, all of us in our lives are going to come to a place where there's going to be some relationship that you're going to be calling us to step away from, not in a hostile way, but realizing that, that uh, it's that relationship that is taking us away from you, keeping us from all that is that you want to do in our lives. And as much as we want to be a help, we realize that we're not really helping. And so as you are leading in that today, we pray, God, that or we commit today to take those steps. For some of us today, the, the relationship isn't a separation, but it's a coming to. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you to start that relationship today. And you do that by just simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I want your wisdom I want eternity, and I thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done. And if you invite him in, he promises to never leave. He comes into your life, he never leaves. And you never regret that decision. And for most of us, we've never regretted, it's not the decision to come to you that we've regretted, but the fact that we waited so long So, Father, I thank you for this congregation, their love for you, their love for the things of God. 
And I pray, God, that you keep each and every one of us until we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>